Okay, final show of the podcast week. Why don't we start it with a dad joke? So one day a guy comes home. He's greeted by his wife, who's dressed in stunningly sexy lingerie, and she says, tie me up, and you can do anything you want. So he tied her up, and he went golfing. The Steve Warren Project. Sports and whatever. everyone, welcome to the SWP as we round out another podcast week. This is a podcast that goes off every single weekday, and it's about sports and whatever. Powered by you, the good listener, our awesome sponsors, our members. And if you'd like to be a member, check out stevewproject.com. Steve and Jimmy but with you once again, schmoozing it up. How are things, James? <laughs> schmoozing it up. I always wait to see what you're going to do. I wonder if you've had a different intro every show. Maybe you have. Pretty like uh, it might be something a little. I bet you no two have been exactly the same, which is a credit. Oh, I'm sure of that. I'm sure of that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm fine, Stevie. Yeah, I'm fine. Good. Yeah, everything's uh, everything's okay. You know, I'm although I was up a little bit, Stevie, through the night. Uh, things you things you did not know. Remember Johnny Carson when he used to do that? <laughs> things you did no. not know about uh, okay. Ed McMahon. Um, anyway, I'm a kidney stone guy, Stevie. I've had the, I've had the, <laughs> what are you laughing? That, when you say, well, just you make it sound like you're a fan or something. Like I'm a Habs <laughs> fan or something. I'm a kidney stone guy. Yeah. I'm a lover of the kidneys, a lover of the kidney stones. That one. Yeah. Yeah. I've had them several times in my life and uh, it, it's, I'm, I've always been petrified of them. Okay. I've had, I've had a couple that, that, uh, that didn't require uh, surgery uh, or, or procedures. And I've had, I've had two or three more where you, um, where I've had procedures done for them. Anyway, kidney stones are like a hardening of calcium on your kidney, and then they chip off. And then they run through the tubes, Stevie, in your body until you eventually, if they're small enough, you you pee them out, right? Amazing. <laughs> that must be a great experience. It's, it's just crazy. So so you're living, twice I've had to call an ambulance. They're just a paralyzing thing. when they, They're fine if they don't move. But once they start to move, you are down. Okay, you have the right. eight count is you just collapse to the floor like someone shot you, and uh, so a couple of times. Do they get like do they get jammed up in? Well, if they if they move, you know, if they're small enough, they like you go get an X ray. What happens is you go get an you go to the hospital. I got this freaking stone, uh, and then they they take an X ray. You know, they take some urine, Steve. If there's there's blood in your urine but no infection, well, they know you got one of these stones, right? They can they can tell so. Uh, if they're too big, Steve, they got to operate. Uh, and if they're sort of too small to pass, but, but not big enough to operate, then they, they sit you in a puddle of water. Like you lie on this, this table and your, your feet are up at the one end, your head's up at the other. And then your butt slips down into this puddle of water, into this bowl of water. And they, they, they whip sound waves to this little machine comes down and tries to sort of pinpoint where it is. And they, they snap this. It's like an elastic snapping on your skin for half an hour, and uh, they crush them. Okay, that, that, that kind of turns them into powder. But when they're doing that, Steve, they're going to move for sure. Okay, so now you've got when they start to zap them like that. Now you now they break off into a bunch of pieces, uh, but they whack you with morphine and stuff before you do it. So anyway, great. Yeah, I've had. I've. Uh, I thought maybe I'm I'm getting one, but uh, who knows? When will you know? Well, you'll know. It'll it'll be like this. So, anyways, <laughs> 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 
I just watched an episode of Modern Family, and Phil Dunphy, his father-in-law's dog, had to, had to wear a shock collar, and he picked up the shock collar, and it gave him a bunch of shocks. And then afterward, it kept giving him aftershocks after the fact, and so he kept going around just throughout the day. Hey, honey, can you pass me the shoes? <laughs> and I expect that's going to be kind of you today on the show. It, it could, but I, I don't, I don't know. I'm fine now. I'm fine now. But like I say, when they when they move, you're down. You're down for the count. But uh, right, Teddy Green, or hockey angle. Remember Ted Green? Uh, sure. Who was w- with the Oilers? Boston. I think he played in Boston. Uh, became most famous for uh, a skull fracture. Uh, if you look him up as I talk about it, two-hander in the head. Uh, I don't know from who, and ended up with a couple, pl- couple of plates in his head. Uh, Teddy Green, he's, he's passed away now, Teddy, but he ended up with the Oilers coaching. Um, and he was a kidney stone guy, but he had two of them, apparently they found, the size of pine cones. Okay. What? Yeah. Yeah, so they can be super dangerous anyway if they if they get too big, you know, if you can, if you can't pass them, right? Well, this just in: a pine cone floating around your kidney, <laughs> not good, not good. So my favorite Ted Green story, uh, it actually involves a guy who's a friend of mine and Sean Van Allen, and when Ted Green was the Oilers' head coach, and this also involves a head injury, mm-hmm. um, Sean Van Allen, who went on to play for the Ottawa Senators, of course. Early in his career, though, he's with the Oilers, and he suffered a concussion. As he's coming to and stuff, he, he couldn't really remember who he was, and Green apparently quipped, tell him he's Wayne Gretzky. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. Isn't that a great line? Yeah. It may, it may not like have a- been the time and place, but it's a great line. So funny. So funny, you know. There's there's so many lines, you know, that uh, uh, like Dave Samenko and, and, and Sather – uh, I think I talked to you about that once when Paul, when Paul Stewart retired, the referee, uh, forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but I got to stop saying forgive me because I always repeat myself. But uh, Paul Stewart, was, it was going to be his last game when in, the, in Edmonton at Northlands Coliseum, and they were interviewing him after, you know, long storied career as a ref. You remember that guy, Stevie, Paul Stewart? Of course. And he said, what are you going to do now that you're retired? He said, I'm going to walk to the highest bridge and I'm going to throw my skates off there. Right. And, and Sather heard that and they asked him about Paul Stewart. And he said, I heard what he was going to do, go to the bridge and throw his skates off. He says, I hope he keeps them on when he does it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, great, great lines. Dave Semenko, Dave Semenko got traded on the airplane coming back from Hartford, back to Edmonton. And uh, Sather walked down the aisle, pulled him aside and said, we traded you. And, uh, you know, Semenko talks about that and he was you know upset and emotional and couldn't believe it but that's life anyway when the plane landed and he walked into the airport you know Semenko was the guy right in in Edmonton right and uh, you know the big tough guy and looked after Wayne you know and uh, great fighter people loved him very low-key we interviewed him one time I don't know if you remember that but um, when he walked off the plane there was a huge amount of media there about this story that they couldn't mm-hmm. believe they traded Semenko. And uh, they, they asked him, he, he sort of gathered himself in this scrum and said, what, what do you think about this, this trade? You know? And he said, well, I'm sure it'll be uh, nothing short of the Richard riots when people find him. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was so funny, Stevie. He was 
drop dead funny, drop dead funny. And uh, one of his other famous ones was he would, he, you know, he played about, you know, four minutes a game, right? Or, or you know, it was a fourth liner for sure. And he walked into the locker room all the time and he'd, he'd pick up the Edmonton Sun and he'd flip it to the lottery numbers, right? Every game, right? And he'd flip it to the lottery numbers and, and he'd look down at them. <laughs> Matthews said he could hardly dress when this, and he'd look down at the lottery numbers with sort of with his finger and go across, look at them. And then he, his head would go down and he'd say to the trainer, ah, fuck Sparky, lace him up. I'm going to have to go again. <laughs> didn't, didn't win the lottery. You know? uh, anyway, out of the, out That's of the fun. mouths of hockey players, they're just hilarious guys. Hilarious. Guys. Teddy green. I For sure. That. Back to Paul Stewart. Paul Stewart was always a, uh, a great, they always had these neat moments about him. Former player, he kind of got what it meant to be a player because he was one and then and became a referee for a long time. He was always a character. And I remember when the Civic Center didn't really have a big enough press box when the Senators were in their early days in the 90s. So a lot of us mm-hmm. got stuck sometimes on the short side of the Civic Center, kind of at the top, basically in the stands at the top of that smaller bowl. And right. we'd be in there with the fans sometimes effectively. And sometimes they're really giving it to the referees. And one night, Paul Stewart... I don't know, some Sens fan is just giving it to Paul Stewart, just right. screaming at him, F-bombs, and Paul Stewart is just waiting. Again, the red light is on. It's a TV timeout. And he's just looking at him and smiling at him. And, and it was a threatening smile almost, like, I'll come up there and absolutely end you. But he didn't break <laughs> eye contact with this Sens fan that was giving it to him. And after about 60 seconds, the guy just sat down and shut up. Because the guy had this imposing way about him that basically he just looked a little crazy, right? As if to say, because this this maniacal grin was enough to to shut this guy down. Uh, always a pretty interesting guy, and then the guy today, just changing gears, that would most resemble him probably would be Wes McCauley. Uh, what do you think of Wes McCauley? Are you a fan or not? Uh, I mean, think of these guys doing it day in, day out. You know. Right, of a, a refereeing game, so I, I kind of, I kind of get that, you know, I kind of get that. Like, let's make it a little different. Let's spruce it up a bit, <laughs> I guess, you know. But um, listen to the listen to the show, Stevie. We did uh, with Larry Robinson on the Suspendables. Uh, you, you were, you're, you're a big part of that show. And uh, at the end, well, of I the, listened to it and edited it, so I've, I know it well. <laughs> yeah. Right. So remember Larry Robinson, we asked him about the refs and he, he was immediately went to the referees are terrible. They're terrible. Right. Something like that. Right. He said, they're making it too much about themselves and not enough about the game and stuff like that. Like he was, you know, he didn't waver at all about that thing. Didn't back up on it. Uh, do you remember that in the interview? What, Absolutely. What and there's a guy that's been playing since the, in the NHL, he started his career in the early seventies and he continued along in the coaching ranks till fairly recently. So he's, yeah, that's uh, not like he's been ref- around. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm okay with that. It's, uh, you know, I watched a bunch of the playoffs in the, um, the baseball playoffs. And I, you know, I, I don't know if they, they were monk- miking umpires or not, or, or just because there's no fan noise, right? One of the cool things about watching sports now, including golf, uh, including football, Steve, without the fans, you get to hear these. I don't know if you've noticed this, Steve, when you watch these sports, you get to hear commentary on the field. 
just because they, they don't have that extra noise, right? You can, or you can hear from the sidelines and stuff like that. There's some very funny moments, uh, you know, particularly quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. You notice that where you can hear them, you know, you can hear them, you know, they call a play, they go up under the center, and then you'll hear these, you'll hear their quarterback going like this. Okay, watch 97. Watch, watch, watch 97. He's coming up. He's got, it's really cool, you know? It's really kind of neat. Did you hear Baker Mayfield on Sunday? What did he, he do? He was in... Well, he, he it was all mic'd up and again fairly quiet because of these weird times we're in, and so he's under center. And then the defense, a couple of guys on the defensive line, do this weird little shift. And so while the guy's like, "Okay, red twenty-five, and he sees it, he goes, "Red twenty-five. Oh, that was really effing cute, guys. Well done. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, isn't that so? Isn't that cool? Right? They can hear that anyway. In in the baseball, speaking of referees. The, the umpires behind home plate, you can hear them make these calls. And, right. uh, of course, you always think of, uh, of uh, what's his name, Nielsen, in, uh, in, when he was the umpire in the movie. Leslie Nielsen, yeah. yeah. You know, it was hilarious. But you can hear these umpires. And what was really cool is, you know, he'd go, that's a ball, right? When he's, you, never, you never hear them during normal games, right? He'd go, that's a ball outside. Yep. And, and they're, you can, they're actually telling the batter, you know? Yeah, you go inside, ball two. You know, too low, ball three. You know, I said, that's cool. You know, that's cool because you'll see the players often turn right to the umpire if they don't do it and say, where, where was that? You know, you called it a strike or whatever. So I like it. I like it. I, I like to hear them a little more uh, than just robotic, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I think um, it's funny you bring up Leslie Nielsen and his showboating as a baseball umpire in the Naked Gun movies, because that's a little where I think Wes McCauley goes from time to time. Obviously not that extreme. I appreciate Wes McCauley uh, if I'm a player because yeah. he keeps the lines of communication open. He's constantly talking to them. And, and I think the, I think the players appreciate that. I, I feel like the players and coaches, if they feel shut out from the communication process when they don't agree with something, that just worsens things. That adds to frustration. That's when games can boil over. So communication is important. It's just when he turns his microphone on and does his thing, that to me is where he's stepping out to try and make it about himself. Right. So I don't, I don't lose any sleep over it. But if you had to ask me about what I'd like in a referee, I like some things about Wes McCauley and the communication side where I don't appreciate is when he gets going with his Leslie Nielsen routine. We, and after looking at the review, we got a goal. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Easy. It's just easy. <laughs> easy. Not. This yeah. is, but, this is but, fine. but some of it is interesting. You know, you'll hear some of these refs, uh, you know, move the puck boys, move it. Let's go move it. Uh, or a guy, you know, maybe a guy uh, commits an infraction, you know, on borderline infraction. And you might hear the ref going, don't do that again. Do that. You got away with it this time. Don't do it again. You know, stuff like that. That's cool. That's cool. You know, you're really close there. Careful. You know, I, I recall, I recall hearing that stuff from, from referees. So I'm, yeah. I'm all good with it. I like it. I like, it. I love the hearing freaking quarterbacks and hearing them, hearing the refs on the field and, and uh, especially from the coaches, you can hear the coaches on the sideline screaming. As long man. as they're saying interesting things, right? I think we've talked about it in a previous episode when the CFL was up and going last summer with TSN miking up the quarterbacks. If they say something good, then then great. But if they're just uh, you know talking gibberish in a code that only their teammates understand, I don't know that there's a whole lot of need for me to hear that exactly. Yeah. Green, 
Omaha, Scooby Doo. Right, right. Uh, I hear that once or twice. I've heard enough for the game. Yeah, That's I fine. remember. Well, they can flip the mics on and off, right? Because of the swearing and stuff. But but I agree. I remember talking about that going, okay, we're going to, it's mic'd up Friday or whatever they call it with the quarterback. And you're right. You know, blue captain crunch, 40 foo, wishbone left. Wow. Does yeah. that ever take me inside there? Wow. That's cool. I guess it's a, I don't know what it is. Right. And ever since Tony Romo came along, what a way to watch a football game. What a way yeah, to watch he, a football game. He's brilliant, great. brilliant, natural talent. And, and I can see everyone trying to, trying to echo that now, all these other guys trying to do it. And, and no one can do it like that guy. No one can. He's so good, man. He's so good. You know, they come to well, the, it's water. a great combination. It's a great combination of uh, uh, the ability to suss out what might be coming up next, why things may have happened. And then a combination of that with how natural, like you said, how natural he is. He just, uh, it doesn't seem like he's had any training. It just seems like he's naturally good behind a mic there's no no affect in his delivery it sounds like he's on the couch oh, next totally. to you so it's a good combination of everything because he's almost savant like in, in the way he calls a football game and often when you've got skill like that you can't really bring um the dialogue to the microphone very pro in a proper way that that's engaging right you, you can almost come off like i've seen some of these nfl pregame shows Okay, let's bring on uh, Sid Biedermeyer, who's got the game by the numbers now. And just the information right. is unbelievable that he's got at his fingertips and in his brain, but he's dull or whatever it is. Uh, I mean, Tony Romo is the complete package. Un unreal, you know? Like when they, they break the huddle, they're coming to the line, right? And he'll go, okay, watch it here. See how they've loaded the right side? Okay, this is going to this. You know, it's like... Yeah. Oh my God, the guy, like, does he have the playbook in front of him? You know, he's so good. He's so good. And, and foot and uh, football commentary, right? The, the best guys to do it are quarterbacks, right? Troy Aikman's pretty strong too, right? In there. And uh, yeah, I, over the years, I, I, you know, Chris Collinsworth, I love him. Love him. Al Michaels and Chris, I like him. Who does Romo do it with? Is he do it with Joe Buck? I don't know which station he's even with. He's usually with Jim Nance, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah, um, I, I I forget, yeah. but anyway, he's he's so good. As we we morph oh. away from refereeing to play calling, but um, he's he's changed uh, the way I watch the NFL now. I want to love love watching his games. Yeah, he's great, no question about that. All right, let's take a time out on the program. When we come back, retiring NHL jersey numbers is it maybe time to stop that? That's coming up after these words. The SWP is brought to you by All Insurance Ontario, Jim K. Ford, and Popeye Supplements Ottawa. A lot of people I talk to end up asking me about what coverages should they have for their house. How much do I need? Why would I want that? Hi, I'm Jared Gerard, All Insurance Ontario. Call or text me at 801-2659. Give me a call. Let's have that talk, and we'll make sure that you have the coverages that you want and that you need. All Insurance Ontario, your modern boutique broker. You know, for years now, Jim K. Ford has supplied the Ottawa area with Ford work trucks of all sizes to get the job done right. Whether you're in towing, landscaping, mowing, whatever, whether you're big or small, Jim K. has solutions from small delivery vans right up to the powerful F-750. If you can't find what you're looking for, let the Jim K. team know and they can probably find it for you at a price that fits your budget. Jim K. Ford, a full-service commercial and fleet dealership, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans, or tour their virtual showroom at jimkford.com. Pico is Ottawa's fresh, new, innovative take on pizza. Step up to the bar, 
order your pizza masterpiece building from 56 fresh ingredients, then in classic Neapolitan style, they slide your custom thin crust beauty into a thousand degree oven for 90 seconds. Moments later, you're enjoying those rich, delicious Pico flavors. Unlimited toppings, $14. Pico, 170 Metcalf or 236 Richmond Road. Let's get it back to the NHL for a moment because a couple of this day in histories this week. It was, well, it's a couple of days ago now. The Patrick Roy trade went down. The Montreal Canadiens, uh, I shouldn't say it was the actual day of the trade. It was the day Patrick Roy was getting worked over in a game against Detroit. Right. And he was finally pulled. He felt like he'd been left out there by Coach Mario Tremblay a little too long. Uh, I think it was nine goals that they had scored by that stage. And uh, the fans were giving him the Bronx cheer or jeer. And he finally got pulled after nine goals. Comes off the ice, walks in front of Mario Tremblay, tells President Ronald Corey, I've played my final game in Montreal. Mm -hmm. And then four days later, he ends up getting traded. And so that happened uh, this week in history. Right. And a couple of interesting angles to it that we kind of have uncovered. I mean, it's been out there. It's not like a, you know, a breaking story. Right. But there's two two things that happened that uh, may have led to the deal. Well, before you say that, though, before before you do that, Steve, fill out the rest of that story. So Patrick Waugh says, I played my last game. They make the trade, and everyone ends up calling that the worst trade ever. Right. Okay? So they freaked out. They, they freaked out and said, how could they do that? Right? They're, yeah, and I think that's, uh, you know, we disagree. We talked about this before that we disagree on whether people should freak out. You're more of a, that's Monday morning quarterbacking because the guys didn't work out. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm more of the opinion of when it comes to pro scouting, you know, you've got a good look at all these players as, as NHL talent, maybe with the exception. Cause the deal was Jocelyn Thibault, uh, Martin Ruchinski and Andre Kovalenko and Mike Keane went along with Patrick Dewa to Colorado. And uh, with the exception of Thibault, everybody in that deal had played substantial NHL time. And, to me, pro scouting is a lot uh, more exact science than amateur scouting when you're trying to figure out what an 18-year-old kid might be when he gets to the NHL full-time in four or five years. That's a much more difficult process right. than pro scouting. And I think the Habs scouting staff, quite frankly, led by Ray Jean Uhl at the time, uh, blew that one. But um, a couple of things on the deal that add a little spice to it in that Serge Savard's book, he was about to trade... Patrick Roy, long before Ray Jean Ul came on the scene. So yeah. this is what Serge Savard said going into that season. Patrick had gotten too big for the team. He took up too much space in the locker room, and he had too much influence on the coach. In previous years, I've had to deal with him with kid gloves. I still admired him just as much as I had during our cup runs in 86 and 93, where he obviously played an instrumental role, but a change of scenery had become necessary the team revolved far too much around him. For everyone's sake, Patrick Roy needed a change of scenery. That was going into that season, and then he got fired like four games in after the Habs started out slowly and was replaced uh, by uh, Ray Jean Houle, mm-hmm. and the head coach was Jacques Demers, and he got replaced by Mario Tremblay. And according to Serge Savard, he was, he was not going to make that deal the way it went down he was going to, he had a deal on the table apparently with Avalanche GM Pierre Lacroix 
for Owen Nolan and Stefan Fisse, wow. who was probably a goalie who would uh, emerge about, I guess, the impact of a Tebow. But Owen Nolan, that's an interesting spin on things and how history might have looked had Owen Nolan become a Montreal Canadian then. Well, that, you know what? That makes sense now to me. That makes sense. I'll tell you why. So Patrick Waugh uh, gets pissed off that they kept him in. And his reaction to the thing is way over the freaking top. Okay? Way over the top. Skates to the side. Everyone remembers it. Screams and yells. Say, blah, 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 blah. you guys are a piece of shit. And I'm play- I've played my last game here. Um, you know, it never made sense to me saying that this guy, it, it can't be coming from a guy who's one day completely happy, Steve, with the team. Okay, everything's fine. And he comes way out of left field on this. So th- there must have been shit going down with that team for him to snap like that, if you know what I mean, right? Like the final mm-hmm. straw thing. That makes sense to me, that that they weren't happy with him. He wasn't happy with them. I bet he had some talks. I bet they called him onto the carpet a few times about some stuff. And and then he he blew a bubble there, you know, blew a gasket. And may have gotten wind of the deal too. Like he may have gotten wind yeah. that his GM was shopping him around and that may have contributed to things as well. But Mike Vernon, who was the other goalie that night, because Montreal was getting worked over by Detroit on that faith, fateful night. Uh, apparently uh, Vernon, not apparently, I heard the interview. Vernon says that, uh, and he said this in 2013 on a podcast, Vernon told a very interesting story about how he had breakfast with Patrick Roy just before the game. It might have been the morning of or the day before. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Roy basically called him over and said that uh, the pressure was getting to him. And Vernon said, or he claims to have said, well, you know, get traded then. Because he got traded, Vernon, from a Canadian city in Calgary to Detroit. Uh, maybe he didn't get mm-hmm. traded. I don't know how he got to, to Detroit. But he said Detroit. He's loving Detroit because it wasn't uh, all hockey all the time. There were other entertainment interests and the sports side of things. So he highly recommended that. And that night when Patrick DeWaugh went over on the bench to talk to the team president to announce he's played his last game in Montreal, Mike Vernon's in the other net going, oh, oh, I think I know it. I think I know what Patty's doing over there. And after the game was over, he made a beeline for the exit, thinking that uh, if anybody finds out that Mike, that he had told Patrick DeWaugh, to get himself traded, uh, Vernon might find himself uh, on, on the end of a noose in Montreal. Right. So, so, see, yeah, so that makes sense, right? Patrick was talking before that game uh, to, to Vernon about, I, I want out of here. I want to get out of here. Cause, so there obviously was some shit that happened leading up to that. Because you can't imagine, Steve, a guy being completely happy with the team. No, no, no issue at all. It sounds, you know, it sounds like there was, right? Serge probably talked to the guy. They probably had to settle him down a few times. He, like Serge Savard said, he was getting bigger than the team and he was all about him, 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 him. So something was going to happen, you know? Um, so uh, that, that, that makes way more sense now than when I saw that going, this, this guy can't come from 100% happy with Montreal and then snap, you know, because yeah. they, they kept him in, you know? So uh, yeah. it, totally interesting. Yeah, that's neat. Another yeah. this day in history uh, scenario in the NHL, it was on this date, one of the most famous Jersey retirements in NHL history. And that was where Phil Esposito's uniform number seven was retired by the Boston Bruins. And it wasn't just that. Uh, There was a beautiful moment because young Phil Bork, Phil Bork, young Ray Bork uh, was uh, wearing number seven at that time. 
and he pulled the number seven jersey off for Phil. And underneath it, he already had a number 77 all ready to go. And uh, so it came in a, in a pregame ceremony there. So that was one of the neater number retirements that I've ever seen. But quite frankly, I don't know what, what you think of it. I would be glad to see sports get rid of that as a tradition. And I don't know why they bother to retire numbers. It's almost going to get silly soon if it hasn't already for a number of really older franchises like the New York Yankees. Like they've retired 20 numbers. Right. 20. The, the Boston Celtics have retired 21. You know what I would do, Stevie? Uh, you know, when you bring this up, you go, well, let's, let's go to some players and see what their thoughts are on the retired numbers. Here in Edmonton, Kevin Lowe absolutely 100% agrees with what you're saying. Uh, so his number is not retired, right? This guy won six Stanley Cups, right? Uh, Hall of Famer, right? right. Got inducted, right? He, he, I think he's next year's inductee. Uh, so he's, he's all about that. And guys wearing out, he was number four. Here's what I would do. Look yep. at the most famous hockey player in, in recent history to get retired. Of course, is Wayne Gretzky, number 99. Okay. So they do this thing in the league saying no one is ever going to wear 99. If you want to recognize a guy, Stevie, okay, you should allow every team in the NHL or, or, or even mandate in the NHL, that someone on each team has to wear 99. That's what I would do. Okay? You want to mark this guy's number and his career and all that stuff? And, you know, number seven's too popular a number, right? Everyone's got number seven, right? Everyone's wearing that. Paul Coffey, right? He got retired here in, in Edmonton. But that's what I would do. You're right. Scrap the retiring the number. Put their name up there for sure. You know, uh, the Eskimos do it as a, it's called the ring of honor or something. They put all the names of guys up there, but I don't know if they retire their number, but that's what I would do. I don't think anybody's going to wear the, those vanity numbers like 99 and 66 in, uh, in New York with the Islanders. Josh Hosang showed up as a rookie wearing number 66 and he already was seen as a kid with a bad attitude right. and that didn't help any. And so, so 99 is not a great example. Neither is 66, but pretty much everything else is uh is there for the taking and uh yeah i'd love to see them just do away with the number retirement process let's take a time out of the program back to wrap up after these words pico is ottawa's fresh new innovative take on pizza step up to the bar order your pizza masterpiece building from 56 fresh ingredients then in classic neapolitan style they slide your custom thin crust beauty into a thousand degree oven for 90 seconds Moments later, you're enjoying those rich, delicious Pico flavors. Unlimited toppings, $14. Pico, 170 Metcalf or 236 Richmond Road. A lot of people I talk to end up asking me about what coverages should they have for their house. How much do I need? Why would I want that? Hi, I'm Jared Gerard, All Insurance Ontario. Call or text me at 801-2659. Give me a call. Let's have that talk, and we'll make sure that you have the coverages that you want and that you need. All Insurance Ontario your modern boutique broker. Jim K. Ford is a full-service commercial and fleet dealership. For years, Jim K. has supplied the Ottawa area with Ford work trucks of all sizes to get the job done right. Whether you're in towing, landscaping, or moving, whether you're big or small, Jim K. has solutions from the small delivery vans right up to the powerful F-750 and everything in between. If you can't find what you're looking for, let the Jim K. team know, and they can likely get it for you at a price that fits your budget. Jim K. Ford, Uville Drive in Orleans or JimKFord.com. 
The Glen Walton Real Estate Team would like to take a moment to wish you nothing but happiness and good health this holiday season, safely surrounded by family and friends. Glenn thanks Ottawa for the support and partnership and looks forward to working with you in the years to come. Happy holidays from the Glen Walton Real Estate Team at glenwalton.com. All right, welcome back to the show. And to close it out today, James, you and I are massive Netflix fans. We like our binging and and the like. And an interesting story out of the States, it doesn't necessarily affect Canada, but the concept almost certainly uh, before long will will play in this country as well. But uh, a lot of people are on social media today declaring that the end of the movie theater is nigh, as if COVID hasn't already put it into some question. Some people think Warner Brothers Pictures Group has finished them off, or the process in that regard has begun. What they have done today, they've announced that they've committed to releasing their entire 2021 film slate. What? To releasing it all on HBO Max, thus effectively skipping the movie theater. What do you think? Well, something was going to break, right, with this stuff, right, with the, with so much available on on on. Is that streaming, Steve? Is that a streaming thing? Netflix is that what falls under the definition of stream? I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah, uh, streaming on demand, whatever you like. Right. So something had to give on this thing, but um, I I'm first of all I'm losing track of everyone bragging about you've got to get. You know, HBO was one thing, and then it was HBO Crave is HBO, and now it's HBO Max, uh, Hula, Gripper, Slipper, Gallardo, whatever those things are. Okay, everyone's got one going. You know, like I don't know how many movies you need, uh, or how many how many options you need. Um, the whole movie thing, Steve. I remember uh, to watch up. We talked about boxing this week. To, to watch a bout. They had a, it was called closed closed circuit, right? Television, and you go pay twenty bucks at a bar because they were showing the the. I remember it was the Tyson uh, Spinks fight way way back when, and and everyone piled into this bar because they they paid to have the service and do it, you know. And it was on it was on the big screen, Stevie. Okay, uh, now Steve, I, I was walking through Superstore the other day, uh, and. I saw a TV, Steve, that's like a hundred inches or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, you know, you know how big a 65 inch television is, Steve? It's 65 inches. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's, it's huge. So, <laughs> so good answer. Yeah. Yeah. What Thank is you. 65 inches? Yeah. Uh, you got that right on Jeopardy. <laughs> um, so, you know, people's, people's home, uh, home entertainment systems are through the freaking roof, you know? And, and I, I always wondered, I said, this, this is better than a movie theater. Yeah. And, and those are in different times. Add COVID, add Warner Brothers decision and probably similar decisions that are coming down the pipe from other movie companies. And it's going to change things. And you wonder if there might not be a ripple effect toward pro sports, particularly in those leagues where they're just not drawing very much in the way of TV revenue. They rely entirely on people actually coming to their bricks-and-mortar building. Those types of leagues, I think just like the movie theaters right now, they're going to be in a bit of trouble. And I think I'd put the CFL in that category. 
major junior hockey. It's not professional for the players, I get that, but it is a a big money-making venture, and the TV deal is not great. So pro sports will survive with TV's help, with streaming's help, but every other entertainment kind of thing, uh, that's all kind of up in the air right now anyway. Don't yell at me. I'm going to have to slip away from the mic, Steve, uh, because I'm binging clearly my feminine side, Stevie, okay? I'm binging a show called Virgin River, which is so Harlequin romance, so girly, I'm wondering about myself. It's funny you say that because right now I'm binging something that's making me feel um, equally on the girly side. Not that there's wrong, anything wrong with that. But uh, my wife is binging right now, and I've been sitting down and getting snared into it. The Gilmore Girls. Oh, no. Who wins between you and me? <laughs> I'm watching Virgin River. <laughs> You're watching Gilmore Girls. Okay. Yeah, we need, a, we need a bucket of testosterone this weekend. We'll be back on Monday. Mwah. Big kiss for everyone. Good night, everybody. We'll see you.